three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Sully is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglou, great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, we're going to preview the Bears-Giants game coming up this Sunday in just a moment, plus... Brand new interview today with Jonas Knox, the host of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe and the Jonas Knox Show on Fox Sports Radio. We talk with him extensively about some Bears football, Mitch Trubisky, national NFL news, and so much more. It's a great interview. Comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook. John's a glue. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to SportsTalkChicago.com. Want to start today with this. On paper, this is supposed to be a Bears win. I mean, hell, they're facing the New York Giants. <laughs> Daniel Jones, who we know at this point is a bust, is their starting quarterback. We all thought before the season it'd be an easy win. And everybody predicted the Bears to actually win this game, even though the Bears themselves wouldn't be too hot in 2022. But as we sit here just a couple of days before the game, I have my doubts about the Bears winning outright on Sunday. For one, the Giants have been much better than expected, but also the Bears have been a little bit worse in terms of quarterback play than we expected. Daniel Jones is also struggling, three touchdowns, two picks. Even though the Giants are 2-1, and one, they're in a very similar situation to the Bears in terms of quarterbacking. Jones is in his last year with a new coach, who the Bears could have gotten this offseason. We'll talk about that in a second. And he needs to show growth or else his ass is going to be on the curb. And so far, we've seen a little bit of it. There's been some good moments from Jones this year, certainly one of his better years in the NFL, but still, there's a lot left on the table that Giants fans need to see. Jones so far, three touchdowns, two picks, 560 yards in three games, and a rating of around 83. Not horrible, but in today's NFL, not good. The big leader for the Giants offense, and this is why it's going to be a tougher game for the Bears, is Saquon Barkley. Barkley back after injuries, took a toll on his career the past couple of years. So far, 317 yards, averaging 6 yards per carry. That right there should be troubling enough. I'd usually say running back's not going to win you a football game, but when you're facing the Bears' run defense, it might. Week two, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon ran crazy on the Bears. Absolutely crazy. Way too much running. And last week, Damian Pierce of the Texans, rookie, actually did pretty good against the Bears' run defense. Now you got Saquon Barkley, an all-pro, great running back, who's having a career renaissance after a couple of injury-plagued seasons, who's averaging 106 yards per game. At this point. Oh, by the way, he's getting pretty much all the carries, too. Matt Breida has seven on the season. Barkley has 53. They, like the Bears, have a similar model, the Giants. It's all about running and defense, and their quarterbacks kind of put off to the side, although they need to know about their quarterback. These two teams are more similar than a lot of people say. Now, Daniel Jones is in big trouble. Fourth year, he has to get it together. Justin Fields is not in that category yet. But 
Both teams have quarterbacks who need to prove themselves. Both teams are 2-1 and one due to their running and defense, and both teams don't have an answer on said quarterbacks because of their running and defense. <laughs> really funny when you think about it. How are they so similar? That's why Vegas has this game at a field goal. Minus three Giants on top. The Bears plus three. And the only reason that's probably the line is because the Bears are on the road. So this is really anybody's game according to Vegas. It's anybody's game according to comparing both teams. And it's anybody's game in terms of who's going to be the better offense, who's going to score more, and which defense is going to win the day. They're pretty even across the board, the Giants and the Bears. And they're very similar in many ways. Now, the Bears have their own work to do this week. We need to see more from Justin Fields. I understand you're probably sick of hearing that line, right? You are sick of hearing me, hearing everybody talk about Justin Fields, but this is what we've been waiting for. And it's not controversial to say so far we haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything. I've seen nothing special, nothing significant. I've seen a good game manager, which is fine, but I haven't seen much else. And it is true that last week the Bears were down in the fourth quarter, needed to mount a drive, and Justin Fields wasn't really trusted too much. Only in the last drive did Fields get a chance to really even throw. Before that, the Bears neglected to, and they opted to run most of the way downfield. Now, granted, the run was working. You go with the hot hand, but why was the run game the hot hand and not Justin Fields? Why did they avoid using their star quarterback when they needed points big time? It's troubling, to say the least. Justin Fields needs to have a big game on Sunday. He really does, because you're facing the Giants, you're facing Daniel Jones, you're facing a coach that could have been your head coach, Brian Dable. Once again, there are more implications that we're going to see in this game. Last weekend, it was Fields versus Mills, two from the same quarterback class, and Fields won. Rightfully so, Mills threw the game away. This week, it's going to be Brian Dable, the offensive guru, versus Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus. Matt Eberflus is coaching for this game, too. He knows that Dable could have been the real head coach here in Chicago. Could have happened. So there are implications here. There are bragging rights involved, and there's a sense of vindication on both sides, depending on how this game plays out a little bit. David Montgomery, at this point in time, is still questionable to play. My guess is maybe he won't play this weekend, and I wouldn't rush him back, give him some rest. There's no need for him to play. You have a viable backup in Cleo Herbert, who, by the way, leads the Bears in rushing yards easily. He's averaging 7.3 yards per rush right now. That's unbelievable. Two less carries than David Montgomery, almost 100 more yards. Two less carries, almost 100 more yards. Let Khalil Herbert play. And if David Montgomery has any signs of any lingering effects from his injury, don't play him. There's no need to put him out there. Herbert has proven already he knows how to be a lead back. He knows how to take over the majority of the carries. He could catch, and he could certainly gain yards on the ground when running. 7.3 yards per carry. Justin Fields is only getting 6.6 yards per pass attempt. That is telling. More of an indictment on Fields, but that's telling. The Bears running back is gaining more yards per attempt than the Bears quarterback throwing the ball. Let Khalil Herbert play. (laughs) This game is going to be an old school game. It's going to be tons of running. It's going to be Saquon versus Herbert, and it's going to be tons of defense. The team that commits more turnovers will lose. Simple as that. Because each team's quarterback play is weak. So whoever can turn the field better in terms of turnover or interception in enemy territory, that's the team that's going to win. Whichever defense can set up a short enough field for their offense to score, more often is going to win the game. You have two quarterbacks who are trying to learn, I guess, trying to work things out for their own selves this season. You give them a short enough field, and they'll succeed. But if it's a situation where Justin Fields is starting every drive at his own 10, or Daniel Jones, for that matter, 
going to be a tough one for both teams. This is not going to be pass heavy. This is not going to be a huge game for Fields or for Jones. It's going to be tons of running, tons of defense. Whoever commits more turnovers loses. Whoever defense sets up the offense, gives the offense some short fields to work with, that's the team that's going to win on Sunday. I'm telling you right now. That's how it's going to go. I want it to be a passing parade. I want this to be 300 yards for Jones and 300 for Fields and back and forth. I just don't see it happening. Based on skill sets, based on the past, based on what we know about both teams, I don't see it happening that way. It's not a knock on anybody. It's just the fact. It's the fact of the matter about both these teams, how they play, where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are. I'd love to see Roquan Smith build off last week 16 tackles and the game-winning interception. Unbelievable. And I think that's going to be a big factor. This Bears defense is going to be a big factor because although Justin Fields is prone to interceptions, Daniel Jones is too, and he's in year four. <laughs> that's the difference there. Look, Justin Fields is a second-year quarterback. He has time to develop. He's not doing too great. We get it, but there could be time for him to turn it around. Daniel Jones is in year four, and he's still turning the ball over at a pretty high rate. 48 touchdowns, 31 picks in his career, and an interception percentage of 2.3%. That's pretty darn high. And this year, three touchdowns, two picks. Already, already two interceptions, and only three touchdowns. He had a great first week. Okay, second week, and last week was horrible against Dallas, a 58 passer rating. It was a big reason why they lost that game, why they couldn't put up any points, why they lost 23-16. That's just a fact. So the Bears have to really prioritize trying to force Daniel Jones to throw picks. He knows how to do it. He's very good at doing it. The Bears have to take advantage, flip the field, give Justin Fields consistently short fields, let Fields throw 5-10 yards every play or have Herbert run, and you're going to win the game easily. That's how the Bears could win. It's not too difficult. The game plan shouldn't be that bad here. You're facing an interception-prone quarterback. You're facing a great running back, throwing a decent defense. But both teams are in the same boat. They're both developing quarterbacks at the same time. One's in year four, one's in year two. Both teams have great run games, and both teams have pretty good defenses. It's not going to be a high-scoring game. So if you're betting on the over, I'd reconsider. Not going to be a high-scoring game. Not going to be tons of offense. It's going to be run-heavy. It's going to be defensive-heavy. It's going to be, I would think, turnover-heavy, potentially. Not offense-heavy. Justin Fields is not going to throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns, but neither is Daniel Jones. I could see five picks out of Daniel Jones. I'm just kidding. But we could see two or three. That's very much realistic for him, facing this Bears defense which knows how to take the ball away to their credit. The game really is a coin flip in terms of how you plan to predict it. Vegas thinks so, and the Giants are minus three. So it's a pretty close game. I think at this point, it's going to be Bears losing 24-17 on the road. Going to be a close game. Going to be down to the wire. The Bears are always going to be within one possession. Maybe they'll lead at some point. I just don't know if the Bears are going to win this game. And that's not necessarily a knock to them. It's just you're facing an all-pro running back. You're facing a quarterback who, although is turnover prone, is a little bit more seasoned than Justin Fields. You're facing a great offensive-minded head coach and a decent defense on the road. Had this game been at home, maybe I'd go different on my pick. But really, Justin Fields' performance last week scared me, too. I can't lie about it. It's the truth. Don't blame me. Don't blame me for not picking the Bears here. How could you say after last week, I'm confident in the Bears winning, I'm confident in Justin Fields leading this team in the fourth quarter to a victory? I hope he improves. I want him to improve. And if he proves me wrong, great, because I want the Bears to win. I just don't see it happening on the road in New York against this Giants team. Now that's it. Whoever wins the turnover battle is going to win the game, and that's why I think it's going to be close. And if the Bears do win the turnover battle, if Daniel Jones throws the ball away, like Davis Mills did, the Bears are going to win, and that's going to be great. But I just don't see it happening here. 
find it hard to think that at home the Giants are really going to blow this. Not impossible. If the Bears win, they're going to be 3-1. and one. Talk about a very surprising start to the season. I just don't see it, though. I think Jones is going to show why he's been in the league four years versus Fields being in there for two. Probably going to come down to the last couple of drives, and I think in the end, the Giants are going to score a touchdown late and win it by that score. Again, it's going to be close. Win it by that score. Again, it's going to be close, but 24-17 Giants is my prediction. What's yours? You should comment let me know. Comment on the video or hit me up on Twitter, John Z Sports. Tell me what you think, but I just don't see it for the Bears. And that's, again, not a knock. It's not me hating them. It's just the reality of the situation. I cannot trust, at this point, Justin Fields to lead the Bears downfield and put together a huge game-winning drive on the road in New York against this Giants defense. I don't trust Fields to do that yet. Now, that's scary, but he's young and he has a chance to improve. Maybe in Week 17, I say, yes, I trust Justin Fields to do it. But at this point, through three games, he's shown me nothing. I can't sit here and say with a straight face, yeah, Justin Fields is going to do it. He's going to lead the Bears to a big win late and lead him downfield and know how to cap off a 90-yard drive. I just don't see it today. I could see it in five weeks, but right now, at this point in the season and at this point in his career, I don't. Scary, telling, but also young. Hope it gets better, but I'm not going to sit here and make a prediction based on hope. I'm going to sit here and make a prediction based on logic and based on what we've seen already from both these teams. Nevertheless, again, it's important to know they're very similar. And you could be looking at a mirror, Bears fans, of what you could be in a couple of years right now. So pay close attention to the game on Sunday. I'm not saying the Giants are a great team, but think about their situation right now. Offensive-minded head coach. Quarterback who needs to show something right now or else his ass is going to be out the door. Great running back, good defense, 2 and one team who may win a weak NFC East division if the Eagles collapse somehow. Could be the Bears in two or three years, minus the questionable quarterback play. I think today there are very big similarities between these two teams. We're going to be looking at a mirror on Sunday. And I'll just say this. I applaud the Giants for giving Daniel Jones four years to develop. I applaud them for bringing in a coach to try and turn him around before it's going to be too late and he's going to be deemed a bust. And I, I mean, I already deem him a bust, but maybe they don't think so. Fine. Great. I applaud them. Just remember, it's year four there with Daniel Jones, three straight years of losing with him, and one last chance for him now to prove himself. I'm not saying that's going to be Justin Fields' fate, but I am saying that he better improve too. Do we really want to wait four years again to see if Justin Fields is the guy? He has to show something this year. That doesn't mean make the Pro Bowl. That doesn't mean throw for 5,000 yards. But it does mean we need to know by week 15, 16, 17 that he is indeed the guy and he is going to be better. If we see week three, that performance in week 17, you should really be worried. And I would even suggest the Bears look at the quarterback market little bit in the offseason. The Giants, in my opinion, have played it so wrong with Daniel Jones, they have completely screwed up the situation. You're not going to win a game with Daniel Jones. You're not going to win anything with Daniel Jones. Nothing. Nothing. He's not a winning quarterback. He's a total bust. If you remember, the Bears killed him last year. January 2nd, so technically this year, but last season, the Bears killed him and won. Fields didn't even play. And the Bears played probably one of the best games that they had all year. (sighs) So just keep that in mind, too. And I remember making a preview video for that game, and I said the same thing. Daniel Jones sucks. The only reason I'm concerned now is because he has Saquon Barkley, has that safety blanket, And he has a decent defense and a new head coach. Joe Judge was horrible. 
find Dable's better. So all I'm saying is just be prepared, Bears fans. I don't see them winning. I see it being close. If they win, great. I'm going to be super happy. I just don't see it today. Reason number one being Justin Fields, which is scary, but it's the truth. Reason number one, why I don't know if the Bears are going to win, is is Justin Fields going to play well? I don't know. I can't say with certainty, yes, he's going to be great. He's going to lead them to a win. And that's the reason why. If Justin Fields was more developed, if he showed something last week against a crappy Texans team, I'd say something different. But right now, he is struggling. No doubt about it. So I cannot sit here and say, yes, the Bears are going to win. It's all going to depend on who has the better quarterback, whose defense creates more turnovers, and who has a better run game. These teams are evenly matched. So who's going to stand out on Sunday and say, yes, I want to win this game? That's who's going to win. My suggestion for the Bears is create tons of turnovers and shorten up the field to make it easier for fields to score. As we've seen already, it's going to be really hard for the Bears' offense with Fields, with everybody, with Luke Ketsy calling plays for the Bears to drive downfield and start every drive at their own 25-yard line. They need turnovers. They need a big interception in enemy territory. They need an interception in midfield. They need a fumble. They need something to shorten the field for Justin Fields. If they do that, I think the Bears are going to win. But my official prediction stands as such. 24-17, Giants win on the road. Big win for the Giants, although they do beat the Bears, but big win for them as they would improve to 3-1, and one, and the Bears are going to have to look back at the tape and wonder what went wrong. Don't expect tons of passing. If you're looking at this from a fantasy perspective, I would not start Jones or Fields if you have them at quarterback. If you're playing the over-under for betting, do not bet the over. Do not bet the over. This is going to be a low-scoring game. And if you're trying to determine at a plus three or minus three, I would take Giants minus three here for the sprint, too. Just my take on that part. Should be close. Should be interesting. I mean, I'm very excited to see how this plays out and talk about it with you on Monday. I think it's going to be very close. I think it's going to be very competitive. Just don't see the Bears winning. And I'm really curious to see how Justin Fields recovers after last week. Is he going to prove everybody wrong, or is he going to play the same way? Because if he plays the same way, the Bears are dead. If he plays better, if he shines, he could be the reason why the Bears win. Have to see. But if I were you, I'd take the Giants for now. Justin Fields, right now, is not the guy. He could be the guy later in the year, but right now he isn't. The Bears have won zero games because of him. And until that changes, it's going to be very hard for me to pick the Bears in an evenly matched battle. If the Bears are going up against the Jets, okay, Bears all day, but if they're going up against the Giants or the Bengals or many other teams in which the Bears are pretty even with them, Vikings, even the Lions, I'd have to say I'm going to be hesitant. We need to see more from Justin Fields. We need to see progress from him. We need to see him win a game because of him, not because of everyone around him, for me to say, yes, the Bears are going to win. Justin Fields has a chance this weekend to improve and prove to us that the Bears could win games because of him, and that should be his objective entering Sunday. Obviously improvement, obviously more accuracy, less turnovers, no stupid interceptions, but also when the game's on the line in the fourth quarter, Can Justin Fields lead a game-winning drive? Do the Bears trust him enough to throw the ball downfield and not hand it off to Khalil Herbert with two minutes to go? That's going to be very important. And if I were you, and you're not necessarily worried about the final score, I'd be watching that more than anything. Final score is going to be the final score. Watch and see if Justin Fields improves, and watch and see if the Bears trust him in the fourth quarter when they really need to score. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Jonas Knox comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports 
Port Chicago. Every chance of Lula, we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's the host of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe, the Jonas Knox Show on Fox Sports Radio. Please welcome Jonas Knox to the program. Jonas, it's great to have you on. How are you? John, thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this. Obviously, a fan of your work and, and all the stuff you got going on there. So uh, I appreciate you, uh, you know, basically going as far down on the list of guests who would come on before you finally got to me, before I was finally there. I, I believe like, you know, one, like a member of the Packers organization was probably ahead of me, probably like, uh, you know, Ragnar, the old Vikings mascot was probably ahead of me. And then finally you were able to carve out a few minutes of your time for me. So I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for being on a uh, huge fan of your work as well on Fox sports radio. Um, what you. do you make of the bears Texans game on Sunday? First off, we'll start there. Well, I mean, bottom line is they got to win. All right. That, that's great. They got to win. That's fantastic. Good for everybody involved. But you're still seeing sort of what the concerns were coming into the season because it feels like there's two different goals here. Um, and, and maybe you could even chalk it up as three different goals. You have an organization that's clearly in a rebuild and they'd like to win as many games as possible but you also are trying to develop a quarterback. And so you're trying to develop this quarterback and Justin Fields thus far, there's more questions and concerns than we have answers with him. And, and look, it's a long season. We're just a couple of day, uh, games into it. And last year was a mess with the naggy stuff and all the other things that were going on with it and just sort of the turnover and all that. But I can't help but notice the situation Justin Fields is in, because if you look around at year two quarterbacks, he's sort of on an island alone. And what I mean by that is, if you look at the situation in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence, who looks leaps and bounds better than what, than he was last year, well, yeah, Trevor Lawrence has got a new coach like Justin Fields does, but he's still got the same front office who drafted him. So there, there's still a feeling that those guys believe in him. That's why they drafted him. So you know he's got somebody in that building who wants him there, who believes in him. And so you may have a new coach, but you got a front office guy who was there when they drafted him. So the belief is still there. And then you can go to Trey Lance. Trey Lance, terrible luck, injury, goes down, all of that stuff. Jimmy Garoppolo uh, steps in. Bottom line is, though, same coach, same front office. Those guys believed in him. You go to Mac Jones. Same front office, same coach. Those guys believed in him. You go up and down year two quarterbacks, even Zach Wilson, who's at a really up and down run, same front office, same coach. At least, you know, you have somebody there. Justin Fields doesn't have either brand new front office regime. They didn't draft him brand new coaching staff. They didn't draft him. And so he's got to really prove it more. So I, I want to say than some of these other guys, because he doesn't have the people in the building that are going to have his back. And Sometimes I wonder if he knows that or he feels that and maybe he's, he's rushing too much to try and learn this new offense and get acclimated to the NFL system. Seems like a tremendous guy, a fantastic dude all the way around. Everybody speaks really highly of him. He's hard on himself. He's brutally honest on himself like he was after the Texans game. I didn't play well. That's on me. I hope it works out for him because he seems like a really good dude. Is that a bit unfair, but the reality of the situation at the same time with Fields and not having anybody really believing in him inside the Bears organization? It's why, and this has been a pet peeve of mine for a long time, I hate the term bust. Hate it. I, I, because I just think it is so easy to say that about a player who doesn't perform when the reality is situation is like 90% of everything. I mean, look, you know this. You could be as talented as you want in any industry as you want. If you're in a crap-ass situation, good luck, man. Like some people are able to rise above and people have their back and they're able to get to where they want to go and they're able to you know, put together these great careers. And this is not just football. This is any industry. But if you're in a situation where you, you, you got mud around you, it's like try not getting dirty. And, and this is what I feel like with a lot of these young players that come into the league, we're so quick to want to move on. And a lot of this is a trickle down effect because coaches, I mean, six, seven, 
coaches are fired every single year. That's almost a fourth of the league. So you've got a bunch of guys who are trying to keep their job. Maybe they don't want to wait around for a rookie to develop because they want to get a veteran in there so they can win some games and just stay afloat in this coaching universe because these jobs are so hard to get to and so hard to get and maintain, period. So it's why I've always hated the term bust because Justin Fields, for example, man, he got drafted into an awful situation. I mean, <laughs> I was surprised they were given the green light to draft him and move up it, to draft him in the way that they did. I mean, this isn't the first quarterback that Ryan Pace was given the green light to go up and draft and trade away draft capital to do. The first one didn't work. You had a coach and a general manager who were both on the hot seat. And at the same time, you're trying to develop this young quarterback and win enough games to it just feels like. The early portion of his career, he's been put in a really difficult spot, and this is the reality of the NFL, but it's the reality that a lot of people don't want to get into because they just want to paint in black and white, and they don't want to look and see that there's shades of gray everywhere. That situation dictates a lot of success in the NFL, and unfortunately, thus far, Justin Fields has been put in a really tough situation. You think if he was in another situation similar to Lawrence or even Trey Lance, he'd be a better quarterback today? That's again, that's tough. I mean, it, it, they seem one, they seem like they have better rosters and that's not to knock some, some of the players on the bears. I, I like the young defenders they brought in. I like that Eber loose, you know, Ryan Poles seems like he's got this team headed in the right direction. They look like they play really hard for Eber loose, but if he was in another situation with more talent around him, with a coaching staff and a front office that maybe understood that it's going to take some time. Don't worry. You got some time. We'll get through this. Then yeah, I believe he probably would have a little bit more success, but I'm fascinated to see how the rest of the season goes because it seems like everybody loves the guy. They want this to work. They, you know, it, it's not like it was clear early on, especially like around year two between Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky. Nagy didn't really buy into Trubisky and I'm, you know, Mike North, a, a, a mutual friend of ours and North and I have been in agreement with this the entire time. It's not that Mitch Trubisky is one of these elite level quarterbacks. The problem is because he came out in a draft in which Patrick Mahomes was in, everybody's going to compare him to Patrick Mahomes. And it's not fair to Mitch Trubisky. I mean, he's still, you can win games with him. They did win games with him. He's played good football at times, but there were some limitations and it's very similar to, to a tug of Iloa. You know, Tua came out in a draft class with Joe Burrow, who's a stud, with Justin Herbert, who's got a howitzer on his shoulder and, and looks to be the part in every way, shape, or form, personality, demeanor, toughness, you name it. And immediately it was like, well, he's not like those guys. Well, those guys are so rare. If you're going to sit here and compare everybody to Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow, bro, you're going to be looking for a quarterback for a long time, but it doesn't mean you can't win games with them. And what do you know? All of a sudden you get a coach who actually believes in Tua. Okay. You get weapons around him. And next thing you know, the dolphins are, are, are starting to move a little bit and they look like a completely different offense in comparison to where they were previously, because you had somebody who actually bought into them. So it's not that you have a quarterback with limitations and all of a sudden, well, you're, you're doomed. It's going to set your franchise back 10 years. No, no, no. Build around them, play to their strengths. I've, I've never understood that. Alex Smith, perfect example, man. Alex Smith was in the same draft class and went 20 something picks ahead of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if you're going to compare Alex Smith to Aaron Rodgers, you're going to make things really difficult on Alex Smith. You know what happened though? Jim Harbaugh showed up to San Francisco. Somebody believed in him. All of a sudden, they started winning games. They're in an NFC title game. Then he gets injured. He gets the concussion. All the other things come along with it. Kaepernick comes in. He ends up going to Kansas City. People forget Kansas City was a diaper fire before Alex Smith got there. He and Andy Reid showed up and completely changed the future of the organization. Patrick Mahomes stepped in, and they went to another level. And then when you moved on from Alex Smith, who had great years in Kansas City, MVP potential years in Kansas City, especially I think his final year, if you look at his numbers, there was a lot of discussion he should be in the conversation. He goes to Washington, and before the injury, Washington was in first place. So it's like you, everybody wants Mahomes, Herbert, Rodgers, all these guys. Those are so rare. But if you get a guy that you can build around, you can still win a ton of games, a la Alex Smith, a la hopefully Tua Tagovailoa. 
it, Mitch Trubisky you won some games with, but it was clear they were out on him. You just hope that this organization and this regime has enough confidence and faith in Justin Fields are going to build around him and be patient. I'm just not sold whether or not they're going to take it that direction because they weren't here when he was brought into the Bears organization to begin with. If they do end up building around him, does Fields have enough raw talent based on what you've seen to lead the Bears to a deep playoff run? Is that something you could see happening? Oh, listen, the ceiling on fields is, is much higher than it was per se with Mitch Trubisky. And that, and that's everybody that you talk to about it. I mean, look, I, I, I don't know. I, one thing I try and do is I never try and pretend I know exactly what's going on in the field. But you can you can clearly see when you're watching Justin Fields play that there are some tools there that are just God-given abilities. Like his scrambling ability, that game against the Niners his rookie year, that scramble touchdown – and there's like a handful of guys on planet Earth that can make that play. Justin Fields is one of them. He seems like he's got the arm strength, but it's also like, look, I, I do a show with Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn's one of the best I've ever talked to as far as evaluating quarterbacks. He knows from top to bottle, top to bottom, every level there is what you're looking for in a quarterback. And he covered a ton of Ohio State games. And he was excited about Justin Fields at the next level because of all the tools, his character, his makeup, his personality. The tools are there. It's just whether or not they're going to open up the box and let him pull them out and use them so that he can have a successful run there in Chicago. Jonas Knox here on Sports Talk Chicago. Jonas, what do you make about the Bears for the rest of the season? Where do you see them going at this point through three games? I mean, look, it's going to be rough at times. <laughs> Let, let's, just, yeah. let's just call what it is. But this is the situation that they were put in. I mean – you, you, everybody was doubling down. They were, they were going out making all these big signings. They were, but it was clear and it was obvious to a lot of people that there were issues on this team that weren't being addressed. You put a lot of money on the defensive side of the ball, on the defensive line, but it's like, hey, what about the offensive line? Why aren't we running the football? Well, like, well, why, why, why is it taking so long to get David Montgomery into games? Why are you, why are you putting the organization in this? It just, it felt like, they set them back and then doubled down and tripled down on the players that they drafted to try and prove to everybody it was going to work. And it just wasn't working. And it's like, look, Olin Krutz has been all over this for years. And, and Olin, and I look, I listened to obviously uh, the No Name podcast with him and Jason McKee, and then Big Cat Williams is on this year, and they do a fantastic job. And let me just say this. Olin Krutz, and I've been beating this drum on, on Fox Sports Radio for years because he was kind enough to come on a couple of years ago and do an interview on my weekend show. And I've been telling everybody, he's one of the best analysts when it comes to football on the planet. He's fantastic. And he's brutally honest. He's not one of these kiss asses who's going to sell you everything's fine. Don't, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. Bear down. He's been calling this like it is for a couple of years now. There have been issues on the offensive line. You've put your money elsewhere, yet you bring in these offensive linemen and you expect them to produce at, at an NFL caliber level with, without a lot of patience. And you're expecting this team to have success. If you're struggling there, it's hard to want to get this team in, in the right direction. It feels like they've Ryan Poles is a former lineman. So it feels like that's become a little bit more of a priority. They've tried to add some pieces and move stuff around. There's been some guys that have been banged up. There's been some interchanging and center and guard, whatever the hell is going on there. I just feel like they're a ways away. They're going to lose, probably lose a lot of football games this year. But I don't think that's the goal. I think the goal is to go into the offseason thinking you're heading in the right direction and you've got a quarterback who's heading in the right direction that you can play with and play through and a guy that you can build this team around moving forward. And with the salary cap and how much money they're going to have next offseason, that's when things will start to get fun. So it's probably not going to produce a lot of W's this year, but I do think if you show some promise, we'll see Justin Fields back next year and, and there's a lot more optimism in Chicago. Let me ask you this. How would you compare the situation today to a year ago with Brian Pace and Matt Nagy? I would assume at least it's a big improvement today over where it was before. It feels like it. I mean, last year felt at times like there was some desperation. It, it, it did feel, you know, on the outside, like there was a lot of people that were playing and coaching and GMing for their jobs. And this year, at least it feels like, look, Brian Poles, and Matt Eberflus have a background. They've got a uh, they've got a history. And Ryan Poles loved Matt Eberflus, and it feels like a lot of those players really like Matt Eberflus. And there's 
it almost looks like a mindset change. And again, the hell do I know? I'm not in that locker room. So I, I don't know what the conversations and the interactions are like, but I can tell you this, it feels more closer to the Dick Turon, Lovey Smith era of Bears football than it did anything prior and anything afterwards. The way guys are, are you know, hustling to the ball, the turnovers that you didn't see a lot of that. And maybe that's not an indictment on Matt Nagy. Maybe guys got comfortable after that first season when everything was going right and they got every break until they got to the playoff game. And, uh, you know, Cody Parkey, who didn't like practicing in Soldier Field, decided to uh, play bumper cars with the uprights, although the kick was blocked. So we defend him a little bit. And then Goose Island had some, you know, kicking competition from 43 yards of the snow to where people get a you know free year of Goose Island beer. And then people are falling on their ass and, and breaking their ass while they're good. Like all that stuff. It was chaos. And then you go into the, the next off season and they're having like this open kicking competition with like 12 guys at rookie minicamp. The whole thing was bizarre. And it just, as it trend, as it got further down the road, I just wonder how many people believed in those guys and bought into what they were selling. It does feel like they're buying into Matt Eberflus and company there. Had the bears had a competent kicker that year. Do you think they could have gone further than where they ended up ending? Were they a super bowl caliber team that year? So I don't know about Super Bowl caliber, but I believe if I have this right, if they win that game, they play the Rams. And look, it's tough to beat a team twice. The Rams are obviously really good. That was the year the Rams went to the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But they would have had to go on the road for that. So if you remember when they played the Rams that Sunday night game, that regular season game in which you know, Mitch Trubisky and Jared Goff really, really struggled in that game. And and I think they, uh, they threw a, you know, there was a lineman touchdown. There was all sorts of other things and crazy stuff that were happening because the weather conditions were bad. You wouldn't have had that had you gone to LA. So it's, it's, it's a funny, what if story to think about, but ultimately I just, I don't know that they would have had enough to really raise the trophy. It was a fun year. It was fun to watch them. They seemed like, like I said, they were getting every break, every bounce. Eddie Jackson was intercepting everybody left and right. There were turnovers here and there. And then of course you get to the, uh, to the playoff game at soldier field and they get double doinked out of the playoffs and they've been scrambling (laughs) a little bit ever since. Did you watch that game live? How'd you react to it? So I was actually getting ready to go on the air and uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'll say it. So I had to get to the studio because Brady Quinn and I back then were doing the post-game show on Fox Sports Radio. So we would come on at 7 o'clock Central Time, 8 o'clock Eastern, and I couldn't wait around for the game to end at home because traffic is, for some reason in Sunday on Sundays, traffic in L.A. is just a kick in the nuts. I don't know why. I don't know if people are slow playing it because they don't want to go back to work. Whatever the case is, hurry up. Some people actually work on the weekends. And I remember going, all right, I don't want to chance it. So I was watching the game on my phone in traffic. Now, no accidents to report. I didn't cut anybody off. I had no <laughs> fender benders. But I remember pulling into the parking lot at Fox Sports Radio and watching the end of the game and just thinking, well, that sucks. But you know what? It's content. All right. Like, And, and you know this from covering the Bears. Oh, yeah. Like, Sometimes, sometimes eight and eight's not all that fun or seven and seven and nine, or now it's, you know, eight, and nine or seven and 10, you know, sometimes you need one direction or the other to really have good content. And it was like, okay, well, at least it's going to provide us some good content and, and Nick Foles and company, they get it done. I still am fascinated at how Cody Parkey gets all the blame for that. But we don't want to talk about, you know, how the defense gave up that drive. Or we don't want to talk about how when the Bears scored, Matt Nagy decided to get cute and he had Khalil Mack in motion on the two-point conversion. Like, we'll leave all that out of it, but it's all Cody Parkey's fault. But the way he handled the interview afterwards going on the Today Show, I think he got everything he had coming to him. So. More to come with Jonas Knox in just a moment. Stay tuned. Vince Yance, Sports Talk Chicago. Jonas Knox, still here on Fox Sports Radio. Jonas, a few more questions before we finish up. Wanted to talk about your career for a second. How did you get your start in radio? So I wanted to get in radio for a long time, obviously. I, I grew up loving sports radio, but I didn't know how to. I didn't know anybody. I had no ins. There were no family connections, no nothing. And so 
I started uh, going to this apprenticeship program I found online. Uh, I connected with a guy who would bring me in and, and kind of show me the ropes and say that this is walk me through everything. Uh, Jeff Biggs, one of the nicest people in the industry. And so from there, it was really trying to find a job. But the problem is, again, I didn't know anybody. You know how difficult this business is. It's hard, man. And so I tried for years. I applied everywhere. I, I, you know, I even flew out, you know, to Chicago a couple of times on my own dime, thinking, man, I'd love to work in Chicago sports radio, trying to get anybody to talk to me, help me. What can I do? I'll do anything. I'll, I'll start at the bottom. I'll, I'll, I'll wash dishes. I'll do it. Like I was not above anything. I'll do it all. And then I heard that there was going to be a station that was opening up in Charleston, South Carolina. I had just lost my job in Los Angeles, my my real job that sucked. Okay. And then I, I just, I knew that this was an opportunity. And I said, if I want this, I really got to get aggressive because nothing has worked for, for the past three, four years. Nobody's giving me a sniff. Nobody's talking to me. And so I decided I got a little bit of money left on a credit card. I was broke and I flew out to Charleston to deliver my resume in person. And I said, this is how serious I am about the job. I, I'd love an opportunity um, just to be considered for the for the job and to consider for the for the role because they were looking for a morning show producer slash co-host slash uh, anchor, all the other things to come along with it. And just and I just said I'll, I'll I'll work as hard as I can. I'm willing to come here. I, I don't care whatever. Didn't argue. Didn't talk money. Nothing like that. They were kind enough to bring me in and let me sit in with all the guys and they were super cool and let me kind of see how everything worked. And they said, well, we'll let you know. And then I had to go through a series of tryouts. Finally, they let me know I got the gig. I went all the way out to Charleston, South Carolina. Didn't know anybody out there. All right, driving in a U-Haul all the way from Los Angeles. I was so sleep deprived at one point. I'm driving on the interstate through Alabama. I swear to God, I thought I saw two tornadoes. Swear to God, I was so sleep deprived. It turned out they were smokestacks. All right, so I'm thinking... <laughs> It was it, the whole thing was bananas. Like you could go on and on about it, but I ended up getting the gig, got the opportunity, learned valuable lessons, worked with great people. It was really a lot of fun. And then the station shut down. So I had to come all the way back. Uh, I had to, uh, I was doing anything. I was doing construction. I was trying to do telemarketing. I got fired from a telemarketing job because they found that I was uh, applying for radio jobs while I was on the clock. Not a good move. <laughs> Don't recommend it. Hey, a little bit disrespectful, all right? But when desperate times come with desperate measures, I was doing anything I could. And then finally, I, I got a connection at Fox Sports Radio. And they said, uh, you know, uh, we'll bring you, I mean, we'll talk to you, but we're not going to offer you anything. I said, that's fine. No problem, whatever. I came and I talked to him. I told him my story. I, I told him what was going on and, and how desperately I just wanted a shot. And I said, I'll do anything. Like, I don't care what it is. If, if you know, I, I don't want to take anybody's job. I don't want to come here and say I'm better than somebody here because I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, I just want to let you know that I'm out here. If you guys are looking for anybody, I don't care what it is. About a week later, one of the bosses there gave me a call and she said, uh, so you'll do anything. I was like, I'll do anything. And she said, okay, we have potentially a weekend overnight editing shift. Okay. But it's a significant step back from where you were in your career because you were hosting and doing all these other things. Think about a basketball team. If there's 12 people on the, on the bench, I'll never forget she said this. You're the 12th or 13th person. And I said, that's fine. She's all, you're okay with this. I was like, that's fine. I'll do anything. I told you. And I made a promise to her. And I said, if you hire me, I'll never call in sick my entire time at Fox Sports Radio. I promise you I'll work any shift you ask me to. I'll never say no. They ended up hiring me, became a weekend overnight editor, uh, got very limited hours. I was still working part-time on the side. I had like three jobs at one point, uh, struggling. I was so broke. I was doing my buddy's laundry for like 20 bucks. I remember I went, went to the back of a kitchen at a restaurant and for like $20, I ate a, one of the uh, Serrano peppers, like one of these ghost chili peppers raw for $20. Cause I was so broke. I needed to do anything. And then my buddy ended up paying me like $17 because he realized he didn't have 20. So I did it for $17. I was broke, John. I mean, broke. I was going to do anything. And slowly they're just, I was picking up more shifts and then I became uh, a part-time producer. And then I started working, you know, on the morning show with the great Andy Furman and then Mike North jumped on and, and we became friends and and it was really just kind of a slow climb. And I threw my name in the hat and said, I've done updates before. And then 
Dan Beyer, who's, who's you've been there for years and years, said, hey, I'll give you a couple of shots and updates. And I did that. I was so excited because I could actually do that and, and quit my telemarketing job. So I, I, you know, I wanted to pay off my truck that was like 20 years old. Like it was, it was wild. And then it just slowly climbed. And I threw my name in the hat to, to host a show and said, you know, I've done this in the past, you know, would you be interested in listening? And then Scott Shapiro and Don Martin, they gave me a shot and just threw me on weekend overnights and it was sink or swim. And I remember Mike North, and you're probably going to have to edit this. Mike North <laughs> gave me the best advice I ever got. He heard about the opportunity. He knew I was going to go do this weekend overnight show. And he said, Jay, I want you to listen to me. Like, what's that? He goes, stay focused and fucking fire away, baby. No apologies. And I still remember when he said that. And so I got on and it was like, let it go. Just do what you do. And it just felt, you know, and so it's just, it's been a climb, man. Ever since you know, I've done a bunch of different shows and obviously all that. And then, you know, here we are and, you know, I'm working with uh, Brady Quinn and LeVar Arrington in the morning on two pros and a cup of Joe. And then I get to do my own show on Saturdays, uh, you know, 11 Pacific time, uh, one, one central time there on Fox sports radio, you can hear it. And, and then I'm lucky enough to get asked to, to do stuff like this with you, John, which is really an honor, man. And I really appreciate like you even having me and letting me be a part of this. So thank you, man. Well, as I told you, when we opened up, I am a fan of your work. I mean, I've listened to you on the weekends. We, we, kind of connected via Mike North when Mike would shout you out on Twitter. So I'm a big fan of your work. And that's kind of why I really wanted you to come on. I've been wanting you to come on for a while. Didn't know how to contact you, but now we connected on Twitter and all that stuff. So I'm really happy that you're here on the program. Yeah. Listen, uh, John and I, for you uh, pervs out there, we slid into each other's DMs. Okay. So do something with that. That that's how this whole thing got done. Let me tell you something. You you want to you want to get a guest in radio, or you want to get a, a former overnight radio guy who used to be the rat at Chuck E. Cheese and worked at TGI Fridays and cleans in the women's bathroom and did construction and was broke. You want to get those type of guys? You got to slide into their DMs. That's how you get it done. You used to be the rat at Chuck E. Cheese. Don't even ask, bro. Listen, I told you. All right, hey. hey. We didn't grow up with money, man. All right. You know, like if you wanted to pay for that senior yearbook, all right, it was like 90 bucks. I had to get a job. All right. So I had to walk around as a giant stuffed animal and get abused and assaulted by children. Okay. I, I've, I've paid some dues, man. I got stories that could, that would blow your socks <laughs> off if I told you some of the shenanigans that took place there. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been wild, man. It's been been a really effed up journey, as I told you before we came on. Well, how's it feel today to be the morning show host on Fox Sports Radio? Did you ever imagine getting to this point in your career? No, I didn't even. I just assumed I didn't have a plan. Like there was no like, ah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get to Fox Sports Radio and then I'm going to start as an, uh, an editor on the weekends. <laughs> and then I'm going to I'm going to take over the producer work. There was no plan. I just, when I got an opportunity, I said, I'm never calling in sick. And I still haven't. I've been there like 12 years. I've never called in sick and I'm going to work any shift. I'm never going to say no. And so I tell like young broadcasters, like I'll get people that'll ask me like, Hey, what's your, your best piece of advice? And it's say yes to everything. Like too many people. And this isn't like, you know, in, in back in my day moment, but too many people now they want it so fast. They're not really willing to, to get knocked on their ass to, to try and get to where they need to go to. And I was willing to do it. And it just became sort of a, a test of wills. And, and I got to the point to where I said, I'm going to empty everything I got in the chamber because I don't want to walk away sometime down the road and think, man, if I would have just done this. And so my whole goal was to say yes to everything and any opportunity they gave me, even if I wasn't crazy about it at the time, I always recognized that it was better to have one foot in the door than two feet out. And so if it meant being part-time for a long time and working these side jobs and doing all that stuff, that, that was, you know, that's what I had to do. But if you would have told me when I walked in the door there that, Hey, this is where you're going to be in like 12 years from now, this is I get out of here. It's not even like no, nobody, nobody wants like, listen, I've been down this road. I've had my hopes up I've, I've lost jobs. I've had, like, listen, no, nobody wants any of that. Crap. And, and it's just, just show up. Like that's half the battle. Just show up. It's like going to the gym. A lot of people don't. There's not a lot of people who want to go work out, but it's a lot easier once you walk in the door or once you get to the, to wherever it is you're working out, because then it's like, all right, I'm already here, get it done. And so if you were to tell me, man, back then, like 
yeah, this is where you're going to end up. I, I, I think you were crazy. I mean, you know, there wasn't a lot of people that, you know, my mom always believed in me and she, she was the one who introduced me to radio and, you know, she's always been my best friend and, and my hero for that. And so she was always pushing and happy and excited. We listened to radio together and that's where my love came from. Maybe she probably saw it many years ago, but I sure as hell didn't see it. And I definitely didn't see it when I was busting tables at TGI Fridays. I can assure you there was no, you know, when you're sweating, when you're sweating out a Cavaliers Orlando magic bet, because you're not making enough money busing tables. When you're doing that at TGI Fridays, you know, your, your life's heading in a direction. You probably need to get it back on the tracks, but man, it, it's, it's amazing. And, and I can't say enough about not only the people of Fox sports radio, the hosts, but let me tell you something, the producers, the editors, the anchors, the people behind the scenes don't get enough credit. They, they are the reason that net, network is on the air. Scott Shapiro, the boss is upstairs. This isn't me trying to ball wash Don Martin and them. This is a fact. Julie Talbot, all of them could not be nicer people to, to, to us there. They make it a really fun work environment. But it's, it's also the people behind the glass and the people off the air on the weekends that maybe don't get the shine that some of the weekday shows do and some of the other primetime players do, quote unquote. I mean, all those people make that make that whole engine go and they make that whole ship steer. And, and it's, it's great to work with them. Best job I ever had. No doubt about it. How'd your mom react when you told her you were named the morning show host at Fox? Oh, huh. She's really happy, man. Yeah. Yeah, she's really happy. That's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that, yeah, she, uh, sorry. It's okay. I'm sorry. Every I don't know. Time, I didn't want to be. No, no, okay. no, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. Every time, every time. Like now we now it's becoming like a, a competition. Like, can I keep it together whenever I get asked about that question? And I'm like, oh, and a hundred. Like, eventually I'm going to win one of these. But um, yeah, she was she was really happy, man. R- really, really happy. And um, you know, without getting into too much detail, she uh, it was a really hard time for her. And so to be able to to share that with her, which is why. I was in kind of this race against time to accomplish it. I was like working so hard and just thinking, man, it was never going to happen, but you know what? And then when the bosses called me and told me that we got the show, I just completely broke down and started bawling because it, uh, I was waiting for the time that I could tell her. Like I, I was looking so forward to that, wanting to be able to tell her and me able to tell her that I, I got to do, you know, the shows on the weekends and all that stuff. Like that was, that was super cool. But to get to sort of this point was really like uh, something that I was just thinking, man, is it ever going to happen? And I'm just grinding, just looking at the clock, looking at the clock. I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. And then to be able to do it, you know, that was, that was really special. So yeah, she was super happy and uh, yeah, it, it's, it's great to the person who introduces you to the thing you love the most and then to be able to come all the way back around and say, it's because of you, like it's because of her that, that any of this stuff happened. So that was, that was pretty awesome. So, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry for getting you choked up there, but I read in a story oh, too about how, you know, she was your influence. She was your inspiration growing up. So I can only imagine how amazing that moment could have been for both of you calling her, telling her the news and then celebrating together. It must've been amazing. Yeah, she was the first person that I told. Uh, I went, you know, obviously, uh, you know, still, you know, was close to her and and with her every day, multiple times a day, uh, just with the situation is what it was. And yeah, just it was being able to go there and and tell her. Yeah, it was uh, that's that's something that. I'm going to be able to look back on years later and go, all right, proud moments. Uh, that that was a really, really proud moment because that wasn't just, you know, none of us are doing this just on our own. 
you got somebody who who pushed you, like I said, in that direction, and it was her, and she she encouraged it, and she fueled it, and she, you know, would would get so excited when she, you know, uh, if I remember, I call, I would call into some local radio shows in Southern California. It's like like a radio station in San Diego really gives a crap whether or not the Bears are going to draft Tyrone Wheatley or Rashawn Salam. That was me, <laughs> and so. When she knew that I was in the other room calling into this radio show, she wanted to listen. She was so happy. And so to be able to like, just think about all that stuff, man, it's, it's, it, it's amazing. And you know, it's, it's the circle of life. And if you can go back and, and give back to the people that gave so much to you, that that's the way it's gotta be done. I'm, I'm just a firm believer in that. And so to be able to, to give to her, somebody who wasn't able to pursue her dreams because she got dealt a lot of bad breaks in life and to be able to say, Hey, we did it. Like you did it. Like this is, this is about us. That was just an amazing, an amazing moment. And, and, you know, drives me. And, and as you can tell, still has an effect on me even to this day. So, yeah. Jonas, uh, one more question before we finish up, what's the funniest moment you had producing Mike North's morning show? I can't even say I'm on the air. Like I can't, like, it, like the, the best part about, about that show was obviously the show was great because you got Mike North and you got Andy Furman and both those guys are radio legends. I mean, Mike and Andy have, have been, you know, Andy's done great radio for years and years. They're like some of the founding fathers of sports talk radio. And so the show's great. You know, th- that was great. That was a lot of fun. And, you know, we, we had a blast and, and there's still two of my, you know, closest friends in radio to this day. And, but it was like the stuff off the air. I mean, we'd be in these commercial break conversations and you gotta, you gotta think, you know, it's in the studio back in Sherman Oaks is, is me and the late great Frank Pollock, who's the tech producer. And then you've got Andy Furman in Kentucky and Mike Norse in Chicago. So they're in different places. We're in a completely different place. And so Andy would do his tease. We'd go to break and then we get to the commercial and it was ball busting, ball busting, ball <laughs> busting. It nonstop. <laughs> and the best part is some of it would carry over when we'd start the next break to where Andy, consummate professional, you know, we'd be talking about something and, you know, Andy would, would talk about how he was getting dirty looks because he was going to take too much mail to the post office and they're sick of seeing him and all that stuff. And we'd give him a bunch of jokes that he can't repeat, especially now during the commercial and all that. And and you would think like we'd open up the next topic and we'd be, uh, you know, recapping the game last night and Andy would come in strong, ready to go. And then Mike North just couldn't help himself and said, hey, Ange, can you give me a minute? And then he would address what we talked about during the break. And it was just off and running. So it was, there's so many stories, so much stuff. Like Eddie Garcia, who's still at Fox Sports Radio, been there maybe longer than anybody. He, like, you could ask him some of the stuff, the shenanigans, the jokes Frank Pollock would tell off the air or Mike and Andy would tell. It was pure comedy through and through, man. So some of the best times I've ever had on radio with, with awesome people as well. Well, Jonas, thank you so much for joining me. Um, amazing interview, great insights, great stories as well. Looking forward to listening to you every morning on Fox Sports Radio and also looking forward to the next time we chat as well. Oh, thanks for having me. You know, I'd love to do it again. It's going to be a wild season in Chicago. We get to see how this uh, this whole thing plays out and hopefully Justin Fields has some believers and some backers and puts together some games. And, and maybe, you know, we go into next season thinking, all right, you know, even though, and by the way, they're two and one. You know, so the, so there is that, you know, they are, they do, they do have a winning record, but you know, you look at what's coming up and the, and the schedule down the stretch, they got the giants, you know, I mean, who knows it's a road game, but hopefully uh, we'll be speaking about the future of the bears and, and a little more optimistic than we have been in previous years, but it feels that way. I like the direction they're headed. All right. That was a great interview, Jonas. Let me just stop the recording there. Uh... Sure. Recording stopped. That was amazing, man. I really appreciate the time. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to tear you up, by the way. I had no oh, intention. Oh, it's all yeah. good, man. Yeah. No, it's, it, yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's every, it's every time. No, it's, it's all good. Yeah. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things to where, you know, just happens, man. You, know, you gotta, you gotta deal with it. So, but no, I, I, man, I appreciate you having me. Thanks so much. Yeah. It was super fun. Um, this is going to come out a little bit. So, you know, I'll tweet it out, tag you, all that stuff. Cool. But, um, yeah, you know, I'd love to stay in touch and do this again and stay in touch in general. Like I said, I'm a big fan of your work, so I really appreciate you taking the time. 
Likewise, John. Thanks, man. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. 100%. All right. Thank you. Take care, brother. You too. See ya. Sprint Talk there with Jonas Knox. That'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Jonas Knox himself, Matt Dubio, WCKG, Jim DeTalman, to Marlboro Entertainment. Making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Z Glue Home. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes to you tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe and so long, everyone. No! No! Where are the turtles?